Hi everyone, welcome to the Saker Musings podcast with me, Phil Saker. It's episode 28 today, it's the 24th of March 22, and we are thinking about worldviews, what they are and why it matters. This will only be a brief podcast today. Uh, you may see if you're watching this on YouTube that it looks uh, just a little bit different. Um, on the bookshelf behind me, there are uh, there are no books. That's because they are, have been packed away into a box just behind me. I don't know if you can hear that. Uh, but that is because uh, we are moving house um, and that's just under two weeks away now. So I've um, uh, basically, um, I'm taking, uh, devoting most of my time now to getting ready for that. We've got a lot of stuff to get rid of, a lot of stuff to take to the charity shop, boxes to pack, things to organise, all of that kind of thing. Um, so um, thank you for bearing with me. What my plan is, this week and next week, um, I'm going to record the podcast in the evening and just do a shorter podcast, just kind of more, you know, stream of consciousness. I've got one or two things that I want to talk about, but this isn't sort of going to be planned. I won't go through the the usual, you know, slides and, and have the more extended quotes and what have you. Just some things that I want to talk about. So, um, but I, I think it could be good because, you know, that, that actually um, this is just more a bit more informal, you know, and this is just me chatting and I hope that it comes across and that you appreciate Um and uh, yeah, I guess in when we do actually move, there won't be a podcast that week. <laughs> um, I apologise, but um, the, there we go. Needs must. So um, what did I want to mention today? Um, well, the first thing is the new single by Muse, Compliance. This is absolutely brilliant. I don't know if you're a fan of Muse of the band. Um, I... I like Muse. Um, I've been to see them live um, a few, quite some years ago now. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Muse. Um, but even if you're not into the music, then I think you will like this uh, this song, Compliance. And it, it's really a song just um, saying, you know, imagining you know, from the point of view of the authorities saying, you know, we just need your compliance. You will feel no pain anymore and no more defiance. We just need your compliance. Um, we won't let you feel lost anymore. And you know, it's just this idea that you know, all the authorities need from us is the um, our compliance. You know, that, that, that they will provide our every need. They will provide everything. We just need to comply with what they demand of us. And they will make us feel safe. They will provide for us. They'll wrap us in cotton wool. All of those kind of things. Uh, we just need to comply and not defy them. And um, there's a line in the song as well. Um, yeah, we will save you. Uh, again, I think that's so so insightful about what's happening. Um, we can save you. And it says um, our fear is controlling you. And again... You know, so much um, of what's happening, I think, is is so on the money. So, yeah, I, th I think Matt Bellamy, Matt Bellamy, Muse were the, the band, if you don't know, who wrote uh, Uprising. And on the Irreverend podcast, I think a few months ago, at the start of the year, they did a um, a song of the year. And um, I think Tom mentioned Uprising by Muse. And um, I like uh, Uprising. Um, but this is, this is even more, you know, the most appropriate song I think pop song that's ever been written you know for for this for this time um certainly the, the one which people may well have heard of so you might find that it's a good uh, conversation starter 
with people. You know, you might find that it's, oh, what do you think that song's about? You know, compliance, living in fear. Oh, you know, what do you think that's about? Might be a good way of, you know, breaking the ice if, if people are into Muse, um, you know, and even if you don't personally like them, um, it may be a good, you know, good thing to be aware of. So, yeah, Compliance by Muse, I can highly recommend it. Um, okay. The second thing that I wanted to mention, and this kind of leads on to, to what I'm talking about, is this article on The Daily Skeptic by David McGrogan. Now, I've mentioned an article by David McGrogan before, and I think he's um, really... Yeah, um, an interesting, interesting chap, I think. He he was talking about how, you know, um, it was like the lockdowns were fracking away the last, um, the last kind of elements of Christianity in our culture. But he wrote this article, um, which was published on the Daily Skeptic um, a couple of, yesterday, actually. Our callous disregard for lock, uh, sorry, our callous disregard for the interests of children during the lockdowns reveals our moral bankruptcy. And I thought this is a really good article talking about how uh, the way that we treated children during the lockdown was, uh, um, it revealed something about our moral state. Let me just read you a paragraph from what he said. Uh, this overriding sense of nihilism, that nothing matters after one's own bare life is over, and certainly not the future of our children cannot, of course, be attributed to lockdowns themselves. The response to COVID is a symptom of a profound malaise. Burke aptly described the inhabitants of his ruined Commonwealth as little better than the flies of a summer, leading meaningless, acultural, disconnected and atomized lives, with no interest in what came before them or what was going to follow, and no loyalty to lasting values or the notion of a culture passed down from one generation to the next. The fact that so few people saw fit to think through the consequences of all this for future generations indicates how far along the path to fly-like lives so many of us have gone and how difficult it will be to reverse course. I think this is fascinating. Um, talking about, is it nihilism or nihilism? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure actually um, what the, the correct um, way of pronouncing it is. But Whatever it is, it's just it's this meaningless which is pervading culture. It's it's that we've just completely lost any sense of what's up, what is right, what is good, how you know, what life should be like. You know the fact that um, our lives can be shut down even from seeing our loved ones, our nearest and dearest, from having friends around, all of that sort of thing, that that can be taken away for the sake of health and that people can cheer that on as well, you know, just for the sake of supposedly protecting the most vulnerable. Um, I think it just shows, as as he says, that you know these, these fly-like lives, you know, flies of the summer, meaningless and acultural and disconnected and anatomized it's just we've lost all meaning uh, in life and it really the lockdown was the symptom of that and this is why at the start of the year i wanted to look at the um you know the uh the purpose of life you know i wanted to look at more than survival how life is more than survival 
And if you're interested in that, you can go back a few in the in the podcast. It was I think we started that in January, so um, you scroll back through to January and you'll be able to see those. Um, but yeah, what what is going on in our culture? Why have we? Why has there been this complete collapse of meaning? Which brings me on to the topic of worldview, because I think this is a key perhaps even you know the cornerstone really of everything that I've been trying to say in the podcast over the past well however long I've been doing them but you know say a a year really um, I've been making videos about this why did we lock down and we've talked a lot about the way that Christianity has has um, you know disappeared really that it's almost like the lockdown has been a replacement for religion, a replacement for Christianity. So what I wanted to do from now on, and I think we'll come on to this more, you know, sort of look into it in more depth after Easter. Um, this is something I looked into at college, by the way, at theological college. Um, but um, and so it's something I want to kind of make more widely available because I think it's really important. That is worldview. So what is worldview and why does it matter? Well, a worldview is it's more than the, you know, the way that we view the world. Um, it's, it's actually, you think about it as being the set of assumptions that we make when we look at the world, the set of values that we hold, the, the value judgments that we make, you know, why we prioritise certain things rather than other things, how we interpret history, how we interpret facts. Now, this is something that I touched on last week when I looked at education and it, is it possible to educate without indoctrinating? And I said there that, you know, there's no such thing as an objective fact, that, you know, every fact, in inverted commas kind of fact, comes with uh, you know, is interpreted within a particular worldview. So, for example, even maths. For example, you might think maths is, you know, uh, pretty straightforward. It's two plus two equals four, isn't it? But actually, you know, there are people, mostly in America, who are arguing that maths is racist because it's a power thing. You know, asking people to get the correct answer is is a power play. And um, and so even maths has been corrupted. Now, what's the problem there? The problem is that values are being brought to the table before even looking at at the question of maths. And this is where worldview is important. Because what, what a worldview is, is a just everything about the way that we think about the world, which is largely unspoken. One of the things that we um, learnt at college was a worldview is uh, it's not just, you know, we, we don't see our worldview. We see with it. We see through it. So let me give you an example. You know how a lot of younger people, people, you know, millennials, my generation and younger are always campaigning for the government to do more for for the poor you know, to raise taxes, to give more welfare, more benefits and so on. Now that, what? why are our younger people campaigning for that? Is it because 
they have thought through a coherent worldview about you know the value of the poor against the rich or is it just that that's what they believe to be right can you imagine the same thing happening back in the days of the roman empire can you imagine the you know peasants of the day or even the nobility campaigning to caesar and the roman um, senate and what have you to give um, to raise taxes to pay more to the poor and it wouldn't have happened would it now what has happened in the since the days of the roman empire to now where we all of us seem to have this this notion that it's right and proper to care for the poor that we need to be that we need to be looking after them that that's worldview in action it's the assumptions that we make that we bring to the table before we even realize that we're making decisions that's why i think we need to 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 look at it more explicitly because when we actually open our worldview up to examination we can say uh, why oh yeah okay i can i can examine it rationally i can see whether it makes sense i can see are you resting on firm foundations and the problem is that many people uh, today their worldview does not rest on firm foundations they just believe it's almost like a a religious dogma and really that is i suppose the thing you know a worldview is by definition really um a a religious thing because it is it's about values it's about what you bring to the table before you even get to um you know looking at at whatever it is that you're looking at and those are things that can't really be proved you know that we we just need to to have values on i say on faith but you know whatever you base it on that we need to get them from somewhere and certainly the the idea that they're all based on logic reason and evidence is is laughable um, because that is not the case anyone who says that is lying all of us base them on something and this is where it comes to christianity because i believe that christianity provides the only firm foundation for a kind of solid world view one which is able to you know make sense of the world one which is able to to construct society in a good way one which is able to you know for things like free speech things like democracy and freedom liberty you know the, the things which make western society what it is all of that is built on a christian worldview and that's why worldview matters because if you have wrong assumptions in your worldview if you have things in your worldview which are um shaky then you, the world as you see it will will be affected and so this is why we need to to think carefully about our worldview think carefully about where our values come from and trace them through to see are they built on firm foundations is there logic reason and evidence behind them even if you can't you know um prove values through logic reason and evidence alone that you know are they consistent are they logically consistent are they do they make sense all of that kind of thing so let me just finish by giving you um one more example uh, you know was it um Caitlyn Jenner a famous famously transgender um athlete 
who um was it Bruce Jenner who became Caitlyn Jenner I think and um there was a famous article about this which um where the quote I think she he she quoted gender is in your head not between your legs gender is in your head not between your legs now I think that's such a fascinating statement because such a statement would have been virtually unthinkable a few years ago I mean 50 100 years ago that would have been people would have thought what but something has fundamentally changed in our society where many people now look at a statement like that and think yeah I can see that you know I can see why um you know a a a man who feels like a woman is actually a woman and vice versa and you know it doesn't actually matter what our bodies are like the real you is inside sort of locked away inside and your body is not the real you now that comes from a worldview the problem is that people just believe it and even as we've seen with you know the likes of JK Rowling are prepared to cancel and shout abuse at other people for not believing that but they don't expose their own worldview to scrutiny and this is where we need to say hold on a second you know let's take a step back what's going on here what worldview is being um is being kind of um proclaimed here you know we need to we need to examine it we need to test it and we need to expose that to to, to scrutiny um, so, yeah, that's what I—that's why I think worldview is so important, you know, because it, it really does shape shape the world, and it interprets the world, it shapes the world, and if the the majority of people hold a worldview that is, you know, dodgy, then that's really going to affect the world. But conversely, as we've seen, I think with Western civilization over the past. In a few hundred years, so many things have come that have been good. You know, liberal democracy, for one, um, you know, freedom of speech. So many things have come good from that. And you think, well, what? where did they come from? What worldview, what worldview did they come from? You know, we need to get back to that. And, and I've been trying to argue that it's a Christian worldview that's, that's led to those things. But, um, yeah, so that's what I want to do anyway. I want to just explore a worldview and... I think just try and, and see how can we build up a Christian worldview if that's really what is important. How do we how do we build a Christian worldview? And that's what I'm going to be looking at in the podcast over these next next few months. So, um, yeah, that's um, that's that's what, what we're doing, really. So anyway, I know that this has only been a, a shorter um, episode, um, but I like to finish with a, a reflection from the Bible, um, as I think it just you know sets the right tone, really, doesn't it? It's good to be more optimistic. And today, the reflection I thought is um, could take from the book of Colossians. This is Colossians chapter two, verses thirteen to fifteen. Let me read that out. When you were dead in your sins. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, 
he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now this is one of those wonderful and amazing and encouraging passages, which is, you know, when we were dead in transgressions, and this is how the Bible describes our natural state, if you like, before God, which is being dead. Of course, you know that the thing about dead bodies is that they don't raise themselves. They can do nothing. And um, it says being dead, being you know, in sin is being dead to God. You know, um, when you were dead in sins, God made you alive because we couldn't do it ourselves. God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He cancelled the charge of our, our legal indebtedness, you know, the fact that our sins were accusing us, which stood against us and condemned us, and he's nailed it to the cross. And I, I love that line. There's a, a line in the, um, the hymn by Stuart Townend, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, which said, uh, it was my sin that held him there. And you think that when Jesus was on the cross, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the nails in a sense. I mean, physically, it was the nails that held him there. But actually, what really held him there in a more significant sense is our sin. It's my sin. He's nailed it to the cross. And the charge that stood against me stands against Jesus. He took that on the cross. And this is the wonderful truth. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the wonderful thing that um, that the cross was not just a, a forgiveness of my own personal sin or the personal sin of people who believe in Jesus, but it was a, a defeat of evil. He made a public spectacle of them at the cross, defeated them once for all. And that is a, a wonderful thought and a wonderful truth that he has not just um not just you know forgiven us he's defeated evil and uh, thinking about making a public spectacle you know it's almost it's like in public it's you know saying look look what i'm doing i'm defeating evil you know that the moment of the cross the moment that evil thought it had triumphed you know that was actually the moment that god forgave us the moment that god you know punished jesus in our place the moment that uh, was the moment of victory, the moment of triumph, was that moment on the cross. And I just think that's the way that God does things. You know, that the moment that evil thinks it's, it has won is actually the moment of triumph for God in victory over evil. And it gives us confidence for what we're facing at the moment, that it may seem like evil is in the ascendancy and, and, you know, there's lots to worry about. But Christ has triumphed over them by the cross, has triumphed over evil by the cross. And we have no need to fear. We need to trust in, in the cross of the Lord Jesus for our own forgiveness, but more generally for, um, for the defeat of evil. No, it's through the cross that evil is overcome. And um, that's that's uh, at the heart of Christianity. So let's take a moment to pray and uh, ask God to uh, to help us now. 
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you have uh, not just forgiven uh, sins on the cross, but uh, defeated evil, made a public spectacle. And we thank you, Lord, that we can be confident in your ultimate victory. And we trust and pray that you would help us to trust in these days that we're living in, that you would um, bring about uh, good from what is happening and that you would overcome through the cross. And uh, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to trust you through this. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, just help many people throughout the, the Western world at the moment and throughout um, throughout our land, throughout the whole world, just to know that um, the, the best way of living is to put their trust in you and to, um, to see everything through that Christian worldview and to be able to, to build on the solid rock. So we pray all of these things, Lord, and trust that you would look after us and those we love this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, thanks so much. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, uh, everyone. And um, this is, as I said, slightly different, slightly shorter kind of a podcast. Um, next week will be like that too. Um, but um, yeah, we'll be hopefully back to normal in a few weeks, and we'll be looking in more depth at uh, worldviews and just building a, a coherent Christian worldview. Do let me know what you think if you're on YouTube in the comments below, or you can let me know on Telegram. Or um, you can email me that sacredmusingspod at gmail.com. And uh, I do welcome feedback on any of those channels. If you'd like to support me in a financial way, then you can buy me a coffee. And the link for that is down below as well. And I really do appreciate all of you who who do that too. Um, I'm sort of freelance. And um, yeah, it, it just means a lot. But all of the support, you know, everything. Um, yeah, thank you so much, everyone. And um, I'd love to hear hear your thoughts and join in with the, the conversation. So, yeah, I'll see you again soon. Do take care. God bless. And uh, I'll see you next week.